0: You are tuned to Community Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m., Tuesday, September 27th. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Fire and earthquakes take center stage on the California report. The causes of the mosquito and mill blazes come under scrutiny. And a look at the Palace Verdes fault zone is, frankly, a little scary. At tonight's council meeting, the city of Temecula is poised to vote on a municipal abortion ban. After regional news and weather, KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker, has practical advice about climate change. We end with Mark Cuniberti and Money Matters.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. Pacific Gas and Electric says it's facing a criminal investigation for possibly starting the state's largest wildfire so far this year. KQED's Dan Brecky reports.
2: PG&E acknowledged earlier this month that it had detected unspecified electrical activity on a line near Oxbow Reservoir at about the same time the Mosquito Fire started there, September 6th. The company says in a new filing with federal securities regulators that the U.S. Forest Service has reached an initial assessment that the fire started near a PG&E line. The utility adds that over the weekend, the Forest Service collected a PG&E transmission pole and other possible evidence as part of its criminal probe. The Mosquito Fire has burned about 120 square miles in Placer and El Dorado counties and destroyed 78 structures. The blaze is now 85 percent contained. For the California Report, I'm Dan Brecky
1: Sticking with wildfires, a lumber mill that's at the center of the investigation into a deadly wildfire this month in the town of Weed in Siskiyou County has had at least seven fires over the last eight years. That's according to records obtained by the San Francisco Chronicle. Roseburg Forest Products, which is already facing a lawsuit, tells the paper it can't comment on the report, other than to repeat a statement from CAL FIRE that the investigation into what caused the blaze is ongoing. The company had previously said it was investigating whether sprinkler equipment had failed to adequately cool ash from wood-burning operations at the mill. The fire started on September 2nd. It killed two people, burned nearly 4,000 acres, and destroyed more than 100 structures. In other news, a new study shows that a fault system running through coastal L.A. and Orange counties has the potential to produce a far more powerful earthquake than was previously known. KCRW's Daryl Satsman has more on the new report from Harvard University scientists.
3: The study looked at the Palos Verdes Fault Zone, which runs underwater from Santa Monica Bay to Dana Point, an area that includes the ports of L.A. and Long Beach. Researchers say the fault could trigger a magnitude 7.8 quake. That's about four times stronger than originally estimated. A tremor of that size could kill more than 200 people and destroy upwards of 2,000 buildings, but scientists say the likelihood of such a big quake happening in our lifetime is low. According to the L.A. Times, Harvard researchers made the discovery after piecing together previous studies With information from petroleum companies drilling and ground sensors, the report determined that the fault zone has a much larger surface area than previously known and that the numerous interconnected fractures could rupture all at the same time in a single seismic event. For the California Report, I'm Daryl Satsman in Los Angeles.
1: Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals. PersonalCapital.com The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. A Southern California city could attempt to fight the state when it comes to abortion rights in California. During tonight's city council meeting, Temecula officials are expected to discuss a proposal that would ban abortion in the city. City council member Jessica Alexander spoke about her proposal at a city council meeting earlier this month. Let Temecula be known as a safe haven, not for an, as an abortion sanctuary. Let the world know that Temecula stands for life from womb to tomb. The city council is not expected to vote on the proposal tonight, but could decide to put it on a future agenda. State Attorney General Rob Bonta sent a letter to the council late last week warning the council that passing this type of resolution would be a violation of state law and his office could take legal action against the city. Councilmember Alexander has been a vocal opponent of measures passed in Sacramento that protect those who are seeking abortions and abortion providers. Just last month, a similar measure to ban abortions was proposed in the Orange County city of San Clemente, but failed to advance out of the city council. Some advocates who backed a bill that would have required children to attend kindergarten in California say they're surprised the legislation was recently vetoed by Governor Gavin Newsom. The California Report's Amanda Stupai says that's especially the case given the governor's attention to early childhood education. L.A. Unified School District had sponsored SB70 in response to declining enrollment. And
3: even though most eligible children do attend kindergarten in California, advocates said the legislation was needed because those who miss out on kindergarten often stand to benefit the most. Jenny Gorbach with the California Kindergarten Association said, What's more, first grade is way more academic than it used to be, so kids who skip kindergarten come in with a big disadvantage. Children are expected to come into first grade with
1: a base knowledge of letters and sounds and how to interact with other peers and how to problem solve.
3: In a tweet Monday, the bill's co-author, State Senator Susan Rubio, said she intends to reintroduce the bill next year. For The California Report, I'm Amanda Stupai.
1: Actor and producer Alec Baldwin and a handful of others could face criminal charges stemming from last year's deadly shooting on the set of the movie Rust. The Santa Fe County District Attorney has secured more than $300,000 in emergency funding from the state of New Mexico to prosecute individuals tied to the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. The money is about half of what the DA requested from New Mexico's Board of Finance to pursue criminal charges. According to the request, which was obtained by local paper The New Mexican, actor Alec Baldwin is among the four possible defendants. It remains unclear how a live round made it onto the set of Rust. Since the October 2021 incident, Baldwin has said the gun discharged spontaneously and denies any culpability.
3: When I shot the gun away from the cameraman, I would never aim the, gun at the camera. I turned and I went like this to stay in the camera, And she was there and the gun went off and she just went right on the ground.
1: An FBI report out last month appears to contradict that, saying the replica Colt 45 couldn't go off without the trigger being pulled. The Santa Fe DA says her office is, quote, looking at all the homicide statutes and any gun statutes under New Mexico criminal code. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, September 27th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Turning
0: to regional news, women in California should no longer pay a premium when purchasing toiletries and other products under a bill signed by Governor Gavin Newsom today that outlaws the so-called pink tax. Today's Sacramento Bee reports that Newsom was joined by members of the Legislative Women's Caucus and his wife, Jennifer, as he signed into law a package of bills intended to advance gender equity and protect the rights of women. AB-1287, by Democratic Assembly member Rebecca Bauer-Cahan of Orinda, prohibits companies from charging different prices for products based on the gender to which they are marketed. The practice is referred to as a pink tax. Violations could cost companies thousands of dollars in fines. Critics of the practice argue that the disparities place a bigger economic burden on women and reinforce gender inequities and stereotypes. At its meeting starting at 7 tonight, the Grass Valley City Council will review and possibly approve plans for its downtown streetscape improvements project. As reported by the Union Newspaper of Grass Valley, Council members will receive an update on the project schedule and review the proposed final design elements. The project involves the transformation of Mill Street from Neal to West Main and portions of Main Street to create a pedestrian-friendly town square atmosphere, allowing restaurants and retail businesses to expand operations into the city right-of-way. As discussed at a meeting in April, City staff proposed to return to the Council for consideration of key elements, including planters, lighting, and grates, before completing the final design. Tonight's meeting takes place at the Grass Valley City Hall. On Thursday, Connecting Point will offer free COVID-19 vaccines at its site at 208 Sutton Way in Grass Valley, The vaccines and boosters will be offered from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Walk-ins are accepted, and appointments can be made online or by telephone. Turning to the regional forecast from the National Weather Service and air quality data from purpleair.com, warm and dry weather will continue with locally breezy conditions in the mountains and Delta. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley will be mostly clear, with a low around 59. Air quality this afternoon was measuring in the mid-30s, which is satisfactory. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 82. Wednesday night will be partly cloudy with a low around 56. Tonight in Truckee and Lake Tahoe will be mostly clear with a low around 45. Air quality this afternoon was measuring in the high teens and 20s. Wednesday will be mostly sunny with a high near 70. Wednesday is also expected to be breezy, with 5 to 10 mile per hour winds increasing to 15 to 20 miles per hour in the afternoon and gusts of up to 30 miles per hour. Wednesday night will be partly cloudy, with a low around 40, with winds decreasing in the evening. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland will be mostly clear, with a low around 59. Air quality this afternoon was measuring in the mid 20s. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 88 and a low of 60. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Next up, a conversation between KVMR's Paul Emery and hydrologist Steve Baker. They talk in-depth about how we can move beyond mere hand-wringing about climate change and address the cold, hard facts in a practical way.
2: This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Well, Steve, climate change is pretty much an accepted reality, mm, but there, are, nice. there is a smaller group that disagrees. Is there some other way of viewing the realities of climate change that could bring our population together on climate change and how we
4: should respond to it? I think there is. Uh, let's take our cues from the insurance industry. That would be a, a, really a good way to go because insurance companies are about making money, all right? They're not going to miscalculate risk when they write up a policy for us. They're going to they're dial it in. And, uh, and that way, if there's climate change commitments they have to deal with, they, they will deal with it. And that's exactly what's, what's happening. Insurance companies now look at medium to long-term periods of, of three kinds of risks, physical, liability, and transition risks. The physical uh, risks are like, you know, the weather-related impacts, okay? The liability risks are, here's an example, an investor is back in a business. It takes a loss because of, say, flooding, all right? Did the business provide enough information about its exposure to that flooding? Because if it didn't, the investor's probably going to go ahead and, and make a claim against that business. That's an example of liability risk. And then transition risk is the impacts from new policies that come out, technologies, new markets, and regulatory changes, those kinds of things that are moving us towards less uh, polluting and safer economies, you know, better lifestyles. And an example company that would be affected significantly by transition risk would be a coal company because we are not going to need coal. We're going to have alternative supplies, oil companies, things like that. Even today's cars, ships, planes, uh, the manufacturers have to do things totally different. So these investments will change because the world's moving towards a greener economy.
2: Well, I'm just a homeowner, Steve. Uh, No business. Can I
4: calculate my home's risk risk? To climate change. Uh, there is actually an internet site. It's called climatecheck.com, check, C-H-E-C-K. And it gives a rating of your home compared to the rest of the lower U.S. Uh, 48 states. Okay, it's, it's, it's comparing to the other 48 states. What you do is you type in your town address and then you are given a climate change risk snapshot. No, I did it. I did it last night. And uh, as one would expect, it makes it sounds like it's probably pretty accurate. Uh, fire risk for me, extreme. Storm risk, very high. Heat risk, high. Drought risk, significant. Flood risk, low. That's how it turns out. Uh, so what this tells me, I mean, I can respond to this. To me, this is practical stuff. I'd better do my very best to make my home and property fire safe. Everything I can possibly do, I know it's not a hundred percent, but do the best I can.
2: Steve, can you give us that uh, that uh, contact information one more time?
4: Yeah, go ahead and uh, t- dial into www.climatecheck.com. It's one word. dot com. So anyhow, I'm I'm in process right now on upgrading and, and improving my fire safety on my property. I need to harden my home. I mean, it's saying here. That uh, we're gonna have storm risk very high. What well, that what I what I envision is is probably more periods of extreme rain, uh, uh, extreme wind compared to what I'm used to, and even snow on occasion. Uh, so that means I need to harden my home roof, the the structure itself from from winds uh, and and drying heat. And then I really I have to have a diversified set of water resources, which I'm. I'm really moving on diligently right now. I can't do this in the middle of a disaster. I keep reminding myself that I if I just say ah you know it's not happening right now uh, you know I just don't see any reason to go ahead and do this, then I'm going to be in big trouble because I do have the time to do it now if it if if it happens if something happens I I'm going to have a really hard time responding. So so I want to avoid a lot of this potential pain later. And that means I'm going to go ahead and make these changes right now. Well, how can our community
2: be empowered to be uh, more proactive?
4: Well, I mean, think about it. Usually we look at climate change as something out there. OK, it's a melting glacier at the ice caps. That's a lot of miles away. But if you start looking at this in a different way, especially using climatecheck.com, that describes your property in a practical way, all right? And think about it, just, just one little angle. It's, it's a marketing perk to have a home that's has built climate protections into the house and into the property, okay? This allows a buyer to make an informed decision on buying a home investment that stands out as a better value because there's, you know, the house is built to last, the 30-year mortgage. Uh, you get more for your money. There's fewer problems when you do this in, in our changing future. And you have a safer home. I mean, it's an all-win.
2: Thank you, Steve. Thanks so much. You bet. Managing groundwater Steve Baker's career and passion, that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. And this has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co.
0: In today's Money Matters, Mark Cuniberti entertains a hypothetical. What might happen to the economy if political pressure were to lead Fed Chairman Jerome Powell to back off from his current rate hike policies? Could our current predicament get even worse?
5: Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. Sounding like a broken record, the markets continue to convulse over the threat of inflation and the interest rate increases the Federal Reserve is implementing to harness it. Raising interest rates by 0.75% yet again last week, this is the first time in history 3.75% increases have occurred in a row. Historically, three increases in rapid succession by the Feds have caused markets to crater and has given rise to the old Wall Street adage, three steps in a stumble. Federal Reserve Chief Jerome Powell, besides jacking the interest rates again, also had some fairly hawkish statements about future actions by the Fed to address the inflationary that continue to scorch consumer pocketbooks. Powell indicated he is not going to back off the economic breaks, even if it means breaking the back of the American consumer by reducing credit and withdrawing money from the economic system. This all translates to the ugly truth that Powell must, in a sense, destroy the economy to save it. One could liken it to a bad-tasting medicine to cure a sickness, but what the Fed has to do is more like chemo. Yes, it's likely to be that bad. As an analyst that has been studying economics since the early 1970s, I have seen many things, and I must admit there is very little I see in the whole inflationary thing that gives me much solace. Caught in a predicament mostly of their own making, the inflation we are seeing today is the result of massive government deficit spending for the last seven decades. In the last three decades, the spending has been particularly zealous. The COVID shutdowns didn't help the supply side of things either. I won't rehash what I have covered before, but to briefly reiterate, you just can't print up trillions of paper dollars and hand them out willy-nilly and not cause inflation. And the more you do it, the higher the inflation goes. Currency-created inflation is like a campfire. Printing up money might keep the economy warm for a while, just don't let it get out of control or there's hell to pay. Well, welcome to hell. Now the Fed must crush consumer demand to stamp out rising prices. Crush demand and you crush inflation. Crushing demand, however, means crushing the consumer. Unfortunate, but that's what needs to be done, and it's the lower income strata that will suffer the most as they live on the edge of affordability. Congresswoman Elizabeth Warren is accusing Fed Chief Powell of willingly and unnecessarily putting thousands out of work and driving many more into economic hardship through his actions. Well, unfortunately, that's the point. Powell has to do exactly that to to quell inflation, and many elected officials like Warren don't understand that. What Powell knows that Warren and others like her don't understand is that the hardship caused by economic inflation would cause much more harm if left unattended compared to the pain Powell will inflict with economic tightening he has undertaken. Bad inflation decimates whole swaths of the economy. With Powell and Warren at odds about how to solve the whole mess, here lies the predicament part of the equation. Powell has to keep the pedal to the mess Kettle, so to speak, and the fire to the feet of the consumer to do his job. Meanwhile, Warren and Washington will likely put more and more heat on Powell to stop as the economic pain worsens for everyday Americans. In my opinion, the amount of demand destruction Powell must undertake at the Fed, due to the severity of the inflation that is going on now, is bound to get a lot worse before it gets any better. And I mean, the situation for the consumer will probably be a lot worse in the months to come. Should Pressure from Warren and her Washington constituents rise to the point of a Powell capitulation and let him return to the ultra low interest rates of the last 25 years or so, or worse yet, they fire Jerome Powell. Washington printing presses will once again be put on overdrive. If that happens, if you think inflation is bad now, you just wait. Should the Feds not be allowed to complete their unfortunate mission of having to smash the U.S. economy, not only will the current inflation continue, the copious amounts of money Washington will likely print up in a feeble attempt to repair the damage that Powell caused will be like pouring gasoline on our out-of-control campfire. Whoosh. I'm watching the market so you don't have to, and that concludes today's edition of Money Matters. Remember, the newscast is my opinion only. It does not necessarily reflect those of this radio station's staff members or underwriters, and is not meant as investment advice. I hold a BA in economics in 1979 with honors and California insurance license, OL34249. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com, where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name is Mark Gunnaburri.
0: That's our newscast for Tuesday, September 27th. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Carmen's Garden and Greenhouse, locally owned since 2012 on Loma Rica Drive, Grass Valley. Stocking greenhouse coverings and components, down-to-earth amendments, IPM products, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 10 to 5. K-A-R-M-E-N-S and Rick Kalb, Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983, providing wealth management and retirement planning strategies. Also, second opinions on current investment portfolios on Spring Street, Nevada City. Information online at rickkalb.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Please join us Wednesday evening at 6 for another edition of of the KVMR Evening News.